Hello, everyone. So, thought this would be a useful resource for everyone as we uh, talk to two women who have actually homeschooled almost from the youngest of ages up to not through college, but at least up to college. So, on on the top left is Ellen, Ellen Choi, and then Sua Shin. So, thank you both for joining me. Uh, first, wanted to ask, since not everyone maybe knows you or your story, very quickly, so very briefly, if you could name your kids whom you homeschooled, their current ages, and then maybe just a, a very brief introduction as to you know, what led you to do that and how was the process and the journey. So Ellen, why don't you kick us off and then Sue after. Oh, okay. Um, I have two ch uh, grown children. They are uh, tw uh, uh, 21. No, 20. I'm sorry, 20 and um, 18. Who's turning 19 today, by the way? So, <gasps> 19. Oh, and, happy uh, birthday. Yeah. So, um, so, I homeschooled for 10 years. And um, pretty much on the 10th year, my younger one graduated. So, pretty much exactly 10 years. And um, I mean, just briefly how I got started, I didn't start homeschooling. Both of my kids went to uh, public school. And um, when my younger one was in kindergarten, a friend of mine started homeschooling. Uh, she pulled her son out of school because he had you know, special needs and she thought that she he would be served better at home. So she started doing that. And then um, my son was close friends with her. So her son. So to get me to, you know, to homeschool with her, I guess, so that they could play together. And she started uh, inviting me to her homeschool meetings and just talking to me about uh, a lot of it. And um, even though I knew what homeschooling was, and I thought it was really great, I never thought I would be homeschooling. It just seemed so uh, not me, you know. And so um, I went to the meetings with her to be, you know, just as a friend, you know, I, I went. And then, um, and then, you know, once I started, uh, you know, hearing more about it and seeing how it's done, I just thought, oh my goodness, this is something that uh, I should explore for my kids. So my older son, Isaac, who was, who had just finished, uh, just finishing up fourth grade. Um, I thought it would fit him perfectly. I knew that he did not have a good time at school. And I knew this from, I think starting like second grade, I think he enjoyed it up to first grade, first grade, but you know, I was one of those moms that were at school all the time volunteering and I could just see that he was just not, you know, he was just bored. And he, as soon as he got there in the morning, I could see him just watching the clock to see when it was time to go home. You know, he, and he of course had complained and he never really liked school very much except for recess. And then after school, when I pick him up, he would say things like, uh, I'd say, oh, Isaac, how was school? Fine. What did you do today? Nothing. You know, that was the response I was getting. And I knew. And then also when he came home to do his homework, I was, you know, I felt like I was reteaching the stuff that he should have learned at school. So, uh, so 
you know, I was experiencing all of this. And then when my friend was doing homeschooling and I was finding out more about it, I thought, oh, this would be perfect for Isaac. So um, I asked him, I said, uh, Isaac, you want to homeschool? He said, yes. Like <laughs> not even a second. He said, yes, I want to do that. So that's how I got into homeschooling. I started, my, started with my older one first because I, I was totally new to it and I was scared. So I did it with Isaac first while I, Isaiah was still going into, you know, doing second grade. So I started homeschooling my older one starting fifth grade. And I thought in the beginning, I'll just try it for a year. And if it doesn't work, he's mm -hmm. just going back to school starting middle, middle school. So I thought, okay, elementary school, he still has some time to experiment. So that's how I started homeschooling. But mm -hmm. uh, even though I started that way, I continued because I saw the difference it made in my students, in my kids. And then um, after the first year, I got more confidence and just saw how uh, Isaac just, he just flourished, you know? And mm -hmm. so my younger son, of course, by that time was saying, oh, how come I got to go to school and he gets to stay home type of thing. So then the second year I pulled him out and we both went in full on. And so mm -hmm. I have both experience of, you know, having the kids in the in the public school system and, and then, and then having to, you know, school homeschool in the middle of, you know, them already being on that path. So uh, that's how I started, but it's just been an amazing um, time. And if I were to do it all over again, you know, knowing what I know now, I would have started from kindergarten, you know, mm -hmm. on rather than um, having, you know, sending school at first. So it's just been amazing for us in so many different areas, not just their education, but mm. it, you know, it just helped me tremendously um, in the areas of being able to disciple them. And, mm -hmm. and then the more I was in it, I realized for me, this was a calling. I just took it as a calling, you know? Um, mm. So it, so I, I took it a lot more seriously than just, um, just, you know, them schooling at home. Um, I really did take it as, as a calling. So it's just been amazing. I, I love it. I, my, my kids love it, you know, and they still love it. So, um, yeah, that's been, that's my story. Um, so we've been homeschooling since the get-go, but it was more um, out of circumstances too, I would say, in the beginning. Um, right now we have... Jack, who's 15, she just turned 15, and um, Elizabeth, who is 16, Sarah is 18, and Carissa is 20. So um, when Carissa was actually a preschooler or preschool aged, we, we thought we would try to, um, you know, find out about preschools in the area. I never went to preschool growing up, so we just had uh, junior kindergarten and then senior kindergarten in uh, Canada but here they have preschool so we check it out and uh, we realized that it, it wasn't uh, very affordable at the time so we just thought well maybe we could just you know do things at home read at home do a lot of play dates with other kids and just teach life skills at home so that's how kind of we did preschool and then when it came to kindergarten age um, we were living in Pleasanton at the time and we try to sign up Carissa to a um, to register her actually for kindergarten, 
at the school that was the closest. And they were completely full. So we couldn't get into that kindergarten. We had to go across town to register her at a different kindergarten. And the thing was that she was either five or five, probably five or six at the time, probably five. And then, um, and then we had a five-year-old, a three-year-old, you know, one-year-old and a baby coming. So we thought, <laughs> should, should we do that? You know, should we pack up everybody in the car and have me drive and then, you know, come back home and then have to go back and pick up. So, yeah. um, so we just thought, well, why don't we try kindergarten at home again as well? And so we did that. And I recall having a friend from Chicago who was the very first homeschooling family that we had ever known. Mm-hmm. And they had five children. They, they homeschooled um, and just made it seem like such a delight because of the relationships that they had with their kids and um, how they were all learning to read at home and enjoying one another. So I just remember that picture of them and that being really, really encouraging. Um, and also I remember my friend saying that because she and her husband were the main influence upon their children, mm-hmm. that um, they really, really welcomed that opportunity in that home to be the spiritual guide, to be um, just in every way uh, a shaper of their children's uh, spirituality and the relationships with people and their character growth. So I remember um, really thinking quite highly of that, of what I saw in them. Um, so that's that's how we started. And then we took it year by year as well, just like Ellen, just prayed about it. Um, we were open to having it change, um, but just felt like every year, it was, it was okay. God was calling us or God was leading us to be able to homeschool once again the following year. But definitely I did feel like it was year by year and there were um, definitely doubtful times along the way. Um, There's so many choices out there in terms of curriculum. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that was always encouraging was that we were part of a community, um, a homeschool co-op or different groups that we would always try to be a part of so that We'd learn from other moms, other parents, um, and have the kids be involved with other kids and, and do all sorts of activities together. So, yeah, so that's Thank how you we both. Started. Awesome. So, question. So, I'm going to have a bunch of questions. The first is your own prayer and devotional life. How do you feel as though that impacts your? educating of your children. We'll start with Sue and then go to Ellen. Yeah, that's a, that's a really, really great question. I think, I think it is um, such a, Yeah, that's just such a big question, huh? (laughs) I feel like a lot flows from my own time from the Lord, with the Lord, and uh, my own walk with Him. And if I am feeling worried 
and anxious, um, fearful about the future, fearful about messing up. Um, all of these things will play into how um, I interact with the kids throughout the day, mm -hmm. for sure. And so I think it is really important for myself to be in a place of humbly depending on God through his word, through his Holy Spirit in prayer. And I think definitely looking back, I wish I had done so much more of that when the kids were younger. Um, because I think I, in the beginning, I had the, I'm the one who's going to be teaching them mostly when they're young that I was responsible. And so I felt that pressure and that burden and I didn't want to mess them up. So I did a lot of research. I would talk to a lot of people, you know, online, internet. There, again, there's so much that's available out there. But I think if I had just pursued God even more um, in quietness, in trust, in solitude, waiting on him to show me. And even when there were academic needs or um, interpersonal, you know, growth character issues um, or um, learning needs, right, that I didn't feel like I could meet. And I knew I couldn't meet. I didn't, I didn't have it within me. It had to be the Lord who was going to show me. So I think that that's where the peace that I need comes from in my own walk with the Lord, depending on him. And then that flows. And it's amazing how he answers those prayers yeah. and shows us the resources that we might spend, I might spend hours looking for. Mm. But when I pray and I ask him, he answers so quickly, so readily, even just an idea or a conversation or something that is sparked somewhere um, that I, I wasn't even trying to look for, but he yeah. answers. Right. I, I know Ellen can testify to that, too. Well, I, I so agree with you about all of those things that you said. Um, and be, for me, because, you know, I started not with. Like I didn't have a slow start where if they were very young at a very young age, I would have had time to prepare or think about or do research. I mean, I tried to do some of that, but I just didn't have the time or didn't know where to go i was asking this friend that was helping me but she only you know her older son was only as young as my younger one so i had an older one that i needed to start this right away so i was totally dependent on god i was mm -hmm. like i don't know how to do this and like i told said earlier i took it as a calling i said okay you called me to do this lord mm -hmm. so you are really gonna have to do this for me because i have no idea what i'm doing so because I did have a lot of um, fear in the beginning about the education part of it that I did just by necessity <laughs> ended up spending mm -hmm. a lot of time in prayer and, um, and asking what to do and like what curriculum to purchase. Well, initially, you know, first year I did it through, uh, you know, um, like an alternative school. I did it through mm -hmm. Venture. Mm -hmm. So they gave me all the curriculum, so I didn't have to do any of that. But then after the first year, I was, uh, uh, it was up to me to choose. But even then, um, 
same with you, uh, so uh, like our kids, our kids didn't go to preschool because the schools that I checked out um, were just too expensive. Mm-hmm. So I said, oh, you know, it's just uh, expensive playtime. So I'm going to do that at home <laughs> with them, you know. So I did that. And so when I started homeschooling, um, starting fifth grade and, and then later second grade, uh, third grade, um, once again, the, the curriculum and things like that I checked into were just too mm-hmm. expensive. And mm-hmm. I, you know, and then especially at that particular time, we just couldn't afford um, any of it. So mm-hmm. that first year, I only purchased a math book, I think, and then mm-hmm. like a, an astronomy book. And then rest of it, I was like, okay, Lord, I'm just going to have to, you know, I just went to the library and, and you know, used to what I have. I, I was making up sheets, you know, there were, their math was at a level where, you know, I could just still for the younger one, you know, make up my own worksheets for them to do, you know. So, yeah. So, I mean, and then so when I, you know, I just relied on the Lord to say to, uh, for him to, you know, take care of the gaps that are there, if there would be. Uh, mm-hmm. They're still young, so they want much. But, um, you know, I just said, Lord, it's, you know, you have to do this because... Mm-hmm. I think you brought this on to me. I, you know, it's like uh, you you brought this before me and I am doing it. So I'm going to focus on what I felt like I could um, do, which was spend a lot of time on reading the Bible and doing the devotionals with them and doing mm-hmm. Bible study. That part I felt like I could do. Everything else was mm-hmm. just, you know, it just became secondary just because I didn't know how to do anything else, you know? So mm-hmm. if we had the book, we did it. If we didn't, we didn't. So, and I, you know, and because of that, I, I did have to go into it asking God for help. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like you said, when I, uh, you know, God answered prayer, I had such peace about that part. I was, you know, whenever I got a little scared about, you know, am I going to ruin their life? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I felt I had, you know, this peace from God. No, you're not. They're not going to be ruined just because you didn't make pick the right book or you didn't have this. Their life isn't that easily ruined like that. You know, so. Uh, I feel like so, uh, the academic um, requirements and the standards, you know, that the state sets and all of those things, um, they're, they are there, and, um, but it's not something that we need to overly worry about. You know, whether, whether our kids are in public school, private school, or homeschool, I, that, that's what I have um, come away with more and more. Just, yeah. you know, God will show us. Yeah. what our kids need and Absolutely. as we look to him yeah. to teach us how to guide our kids and i think the academics part is um it'll it'll be okay yeah right don't you feel like absolutely yeah, yeah. Absolutely. we're going to talk it's... a lot about that topic so hang <laughs> tight on that as we uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So here's a, um, another question for you both, which is, you know, this is a time where a lot of people, whether they wanted to homeschool or not, have been at least in some way forced into some sort of, quote, homeschooling. And then the funny thing is that that very phrase has a lot of, or that word has certain preconceptions and yeah. as well as, you know, the idea that, okay, I'm going to be the teacher and maybe some parents are thinking, well, I'm not actually teaching them because they're going online, but they are definitely spending a lot more time with their kids than they were previously, without a doubt. I don't think there's a person out there who is not spending significant amount more time and as well as probably thinking, okay, I need to supplement this. So question, which is how do they, how do people use this time to, uh, both support them educationally as well as spiritually. And, you know, in what ways does even the regular things, uh, having conversations, and, you know, what does that look like? You feel like during this time period where people have been thrown into homeschooling, they're not intending to do it. How can they make the most of it? Even if it's a, what it's looking like, at least it's a good possibility that people at least quote homeschool till the end of this school year. And, mm. and so it's easy to think, okay, my child's going to be left behind. Maybe they're not skilled enough to do it. What do you say to parents like that? Well, you know, it just reminds me so funny. I used to say, because I loved homeschooling so much, uh, my experience was so good. Um, I was saying, oh, I wish everybody could homeschool, you know? <laughs> uh, at least try for a little bit, but you know, here we are, you know, everybody mm. in the whole world is homeschooling <laughs> for uh, a amount of time. So I think, um, oh gosh, you know, what an opportunity. I know it came at this with all, you know, in this, uh, the way it looks, it came this way, but what an opportunity. I remember uh, George Sneeman was saying, I remember Wednesday or Friday, Mm-hmm. There was sort of like a reset, right? Mm-hmm. And um, what an opportunity for us to be able to be at our home, get to know our children um, in a whole, probably a different way, you know, mm-hmm. doing schooling with them. Um, and, you know, I think the, the fear of, oh, are they going to be left behind or are they going to, you know, uh, like, you know, forget everything and their education is going to be, you know, um, just uh, at a disadvantage. I think the important things to remember is that to be able to really um, look at facts and think about facts, they're not going to be left behind. If they're going to be left behind, Mm. everybody else is going to be left behind, right? It's, it's, uh, I think there, I mean, I saw a lot of, um, you know, literature and things about how there's going to be gaps in education and Mm-hmm. All these equity issues, uh, kids don't, don't have the, the online or the, you know, the extra iPad or whatever it is they need. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of families that don't have, um, that are not equal with every other family. So I think the schools know that. I think the school districts know that. So probably I'm guessing, uh, knowing, you know, just from previous experiences that usually when something like this or this has never happened, but something similar happens is that the school tries to make sure that everybody's on a similar page. So I Mm -hmm. think in the fall, probably 
going forward, they will, you know, revisit a lot of these subjects, kind of try to assess where everybody is. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, the, the fear that your kid is going to be left behind if you don't do all these things, I think it's just, uh, you know, just maybe a bit overreaction, I think. Um, I think this would be a good time for us to really um, take this opportunity because who knows, this might, you might not get this opportunity again, right? Mm. So you have them 24 seven uh, to not only just do schooling, but really to have an opportunity to talk about deeper things with them, mm -hmm. um, communicate in a better way, mm -hmm. you know, al almost, you know, get to know them, uh, in a deeper way because most of the time you don't spend, you spend, you know, they're away six hours a day. So mm -hmm. you don't see them for six hours and mm -hmm. you don't know what they're like during those six hours. So, yeah, I just think it's a great opportunity. Um, not only just for schooling, but for everything else. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah, I feel like it's, it's a great time to, to be able to do that build commute family community. Right. Know? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, a friend of mine was uh, sharing with me just how this time has really brought about for her, opened her eyes to um, the ways in which she has been relating with her kids in the past. And then now suddenly they're all together 24 seven and she's just really seen it as a gift uh, that God has given to her to be able to. And, and she said she's been repenting um, and seeing her own sin in the way that she has related with her kids and wanting to change and ask God to bring about that change. And so mm -hmm. I, I, it, it's, an, it's an amazing time to be blessed like that. Yeah. And I'm yeah. so grateful for my friend's perspective on that. And yeah, yeah, it is a gift from the Lord. Yeah. And so, I hope it doesn't get wasted just just only doing schoolwork and you know, right, right, right. I, ho I hope that's not what happens really. Mm. Mm -hmm. So here's the challenge I think for many people who are encountering this perhaps for the first time is that um, there are children of different ages, different learning capacities, different uh, stages of their education. And it looks vastly different based on the number of children in a family, the mm -hmm. ages of the children in the family. And so there are so many different contexts. Um, I've listed out, uh, let me see, I have seven of them. I'm going to just say them. You don't have to address all of them, but I thought you would just sort of take it. Um, so Ellen, you have two children. Both are college-aged. Sua, you have one college-aged, one high school senior sophomore, eighth grade freshmen. Um, but you all had them when they were, you know, you, you were homeschooling and they're pretty young. And Sua, you were when they were infants, mm. which I think is the case for a number of different people. So I'm going to list them off. So one is, let's say, just having a one, one child nursery age child, or let's say a kindergartner and a pre, uh, preschooler, toddler, and an infant which perhaps might be one of the most challenging times, right? Where there's an infant, there's mm -hmm. a, a preschooler and like a, you know, kindergarten, seven, eight-year-old. Mm -hmm. uh, three children, one primary, one kindergarten, one infant, two elementary school-age kids, 
maybe a high schooler and an elementary school age child, two or more high schoolers, mm-hmm. one infant, one toddler, one kindergartner, one elementary school. So having, so in our case, we have four children. So we face that. There's, there's a lot of scenarios, but any general principles that the two of you would have regarding dealing with educating children of different ages where mm-hmm. some are rambunctious and like wanting to do something and the other one is needing to study. What do you do with all that? Mm-hmm. I'll let Sua go first since she's the one that has more. Oh, <laughs> well, I must say that um, I'm, I'm not a great multitasker. <laughs> so it's, it's always been challenging for me to be able to do, um, you know, to have all the kids at the same time and then do, housework or um, different things um, in being involved at church and things like that. And, but I would say that having a lot of kids, it, um, you, you learn to be creative, right? With, mm-hmm. with your time, because, um, so let's say if I need to have one-on-one teaching time with one of my kids, then what I would do is schedule um, an older child with a younger child, mm-hmm. their time together. So maybe one is reading with the other, or mm-hmm. it could be if, if, if she or he's an infant, then the older child could possibly be playing with the younger child or you know, doing different activities. So let's say it's a 30 minute, 20 minute uh, little block, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm teaching somebody for 20 minutes. So then I would set up kind of like a, a loose schedule like that to say who is uh, with whom for those 20 minute blocks. And then we just, we just rotate it out. So that's, that's just kind of like a, um, a helpful way to keep everybody on task doing different things. And maybe if I have to do something in the kitchen, let's say, um, then I might have a helper with me in the kitchen during that time. But in this way, too, the siblings get to be with one another and get to share, you know, their giftings or their reading abilities or their mm-hmm. coloring skills or whatnot with, with one another. And then another thing that I used was the nap time, uh, whether it was to have everybody do a quiet time while the baby was napping. So everyone is quiet for 30 to 45 minutes. It might be a book on tape or... Mm-hmm. Um, something you could even have a parent record readings mm-hmm. and have that play on the phone like if it's if it's dad who's working and isn't able to be there during the day then dad could record a reading of something and so the you know your child gets to listen to daddy reading something aloud mm-hmm. to you during your quiet time while you're maybe the child is doing a quiet craft while listening to a book on tape or on cd or through the phone um, so I, that was one way to keep everybody engaged by rotating times with each other. Yeah, that was one idea. How about yeah, you? I didn't, yeah, well, I didn't have uh, infants. You know, they're only two and a half years apart. So I pretty much did everything together. I only taught one lesson and then, <laughs> and then, um, just older did more or the older one did a little harder level and younger one might, you know, make it so that it's easier that he does the other one. But, um, but I definitely use that older one helping the younger one for sure. 
So uh, if I needed to do something, I would, you know, have my older son um, teach my younger son or help him with his, you know, writing or whatever he's doing that uh, they would have that time together, just the two of them Mm -hmm. while I do something else. Mm -hmm. Um, However, there were many times when we're doing um, our discussions just got longer and I didn't want to cut it off because it was, you know, it had momentum and it was going. So I would be in the kitchen and they would be sitting at the table and we're close enough where we can all still talk and, and it's just going, we're still discussing about the book or about whatever, but I would be, you know, working in the kitchen and and they would be doing it. But, you know, I, yeah, I think definitely if you have multiple children, you just got to get creative and, and, um, and not be so, you know, hard on yourself about having to do everything. Everybody has Mm. to do something differently or everybody has Mm -hmm. to, you know, uh, be on some kind of a schedule. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, I think most parents already know that have multiple children know how to, you know, manage something like that. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think just whatever it takes, whatever you need to do. Um, Mm -hmm. And the teaching doesn't have to happen sitting at the table with an open book, right? Right, Yeah, so I think you agree, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, um, like, you know, if yeah, if there was something that you read you need to discuss, you can do that while you're cleaning in the kitchen, helping Mm -hmm. out, or, Mm -hmm. and everybody for PE time, if you can't go outside, you could clean the house. You know, there's all kinds of things you can do that Mm -hmm. can be part of your homeschool day. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, just getting creative, I think, Mm -hmm. is... Mm-hmm. Is, is the key. Yeah. I think one thing I, I really appreciated um, about your sharing, Ellen, in the past is how you were always asking your boys questions. You were always talking with them, discussing with them. And even if there were some kind of conclusion that you were hopeful that they would come to, you didn't necessarily give that to them right away, but you know, you wanted to have them process and think for themselves as you're asking questions to be able to come to um, you know, that, that kind of conclusion, or at least asking you questions about whatever mm-hmm. topic you're talking about and seeing things from a biblical perspective, let's say yeah. that's, that's ultimately, that's what you wanted. And mm-hmm. yeah. And I remember being um, really blessed by um, how just purposeful you were in talking about things with your voice. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's, that's needed conversation, constantly, yeah. communication and um, discussing and really thinking thinking through what we're learning yeah yeah well i think both of you bring up the point of how education is not just about books Mm -hmm. and that is that there's a lot of different ways to learn Um, i look at it as the difference between studying and learning Mm -hmm. and studying being you've been given an assignment or a test to study for and you know, you study for the test and learning. And so the question is, how do you create a, a vision for learning, not just studying? Mm. What, how does that, what does that look like? How do you get, or, and I know this is, <laughs> I know for ourselves, even for our family, this is something that we are working mm. on, hoping, hoping for, mm. and it's easy. Mm. But how do you get kids in this type of environment to want to learn. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's, you know, 
I mean, that's, I think that's what successful homeschooling does and su successful education is really, I think mm -hmm. it should be that people, the students should love to learn and, you know, have a passion to learn and want to discover and not just worried about, you know, getting that mark on the, on the test mm -hmm. or whatever. So I think, um, you know, I think I want to go back to what Sue said earlier about, um, you know, when you're all as a parent teacher anxious about, um, you know, how they're going to do, that's gonna, that's gonna come off and show, you know, that's gonna, the kids are gonna know, yeah. pick up in the same way that if that isn't your goal, if your goal isn't um, that your kid, you're, you know, wanting to, you know, uh, instill a love of learning into your children, but that they just mm -hmm. get that worksheet done and they get it all right, then that's what they're gonna, I think, learn. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know if this, you know, I believe this is, um, you know, it's my belief that that we never had a goal of, as far as learning was concerned, um, it, it was never a, there was never a set goal as far as like, okay, your goal this year is like all A's or something mm -hmm. like that, right? Mm -hmm. um, our my personal thing was that I didn't want them to take schooling and think of it as a goal for college mm -hmm. and then beyond job. That's, you know, we rarely ever talked about that. The, the idea of college didn't come up until like, they're, you know, like, like 10th grade, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and their grades, report cards. We never really talked about that. Um, they didn't even know what they got on their grades. It was, the, the focus was always about, you know, we were just into learning and we were just mm -hmm. continuing doing that throughout, throughout the day. So it was never, a, oh, okay, you got that done. So that's, that's done, you know? So mm -hmm. I think, you know, for my kids, they always, you know, learning was just constant, no matter what, you know, we could be mm -hmm. driving somewhere and we're still talking about what we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it was fun to do that. I, I wanted to get to know my kids, you know, mm -hmm. so as students and as, you know, and I, I always thought it wasn't just homeschool, it was just discipling. I took that, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I felt like, you know, God gave me these two people and these are the two that I can disciple that, you know, not anybody, you know, not a stranger, these two I can do mm -hmm. at home. And mm -hmm. so it was really more for me too, but, you know, I wanted to know what they thought of all kinds of things. I wanted to know um, where their hearts were about a lot of things, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I was constantly, you know, asking them questions and they gave me an answer, you know, why? And, and mm -hmm. when we were doing schooling, um, you know, even schooling, you know, when they say, well, why do I need to do this? Why do I need to learn this? It was never a one answer because I told you so, you know, mm -hmm. and then, yeah, I told you so, but then there were all these other reasons. And then that, that led to a discussion mm -hmm. of why it's important to learn this and what, what, how does this help? How does this, you know, what is this, how does this help me as a person? How does, how do we look at this and in, in a biblical view, you know? And so, mm -hmm. It was, it was constantly something like that. It was organically always school going on all day long. Mm. And then, um, and then I, when I got too tired, they, you know, my kids, they went off on their own and they're talking mm. and discussing too continuously. So 
a lot of our schooling didn't necessarily just happen um, just sitting down. Um, sometimes that was easier. I, I wish that sometimes like, okay, sit and get this done so that we can be done for the day. Mm-hmm. But it never got done like that. It was, it was mm-hmm. like, you know, all day, all evening sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where they kind of got the idea of, okay, learning isn't just from books or just from, mm-hmm. you know, it just, it happens all the time. If they wanted mm-hmm. to learn something, you know, they'll find resources. To, they ask, they look, they search, mm-hmm. they find out, they read, you know, that they're on their own to do that. Because mm-hmm. I couldn't always do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I really um, enjoy talking with your sons, Ellen, because they're so unique and different from each other, and their interests are so different from each other. And it truly, they do love to learn what they love. It's, it's really um, amazing just seeing the fruit of all that because. Isaac loves philosophy, he loves reading, and he loves discussing philosophical topics. Mm. And, you know, and, and Isaiah is into music and languages, and he's such a great people person. And, you know, so all these things, I, I see the fruit of it. And I think hand in hand with the love of learning, um, something that's really important is the character growth part of it. And I think that's where... Uh, maturity, it, it comes with maturity, right? As you're growing to learn to appreciate and be grateful for the opportunities that God has given to you to learn about his world, whatever that topic or subject might be, whether it's math or whether it's um, botany or um, anything that you're given to learn and you appreciate it and are grateful for that opportunity to learn about the world that God has created. I, th- I think that um, our children may start to get that as they grow and mature spiritually, character-wise, and learning that it takes diligence to even pursue something deeper, right? Yeah. And to realize, okay, I can't take a short- shortcut to learn about this kind of philosophy. Or, you know what I mean? Because I think a lot of times we're looking for a shortcut and our our kids are too. So Mm -hmm. when we realize, okay, we got to buckle down and do the hard work Mm -hmm. of learning and enjoying and appreciating, I think that's when the love of learning comes. I don't know. What do you you think? Well, let me ask you this follow-up to that, which is what if they don't love to learn? So... Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's say you have your parent, you have a child. Now, I have some theories behind this alongside with some thoughts, such as uh, maybe there's a good corollary to this question is the idea of um, a lot of kids who are so addicted to screens, mm-hmm. uh, video games, um, movies, um, all sorts of just look at their phone and, and whatever, Instagram, it could be anything like that. And they've left behind one of the most valuable means by which kids love to learn, which is book reading, right? Mm-hmm. So obviously it's easy to say, yeah, cut it, all that screen time off, which uh, can be done, but that doesn't necessitate or automatically lead to, oh, suddenly I love reading books. 
Mm-hmm. So what would you say to the parent who is struggling with their child looking at the screen and not wanting to read books that helps them to learn? And how do you get them to that place? Well, I have a student that doesn't like to, to read either, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so uh, um, only certain types of books. But I think, you know, if you have young children, um, I think get, you know, making sure that they don't already at a young age rely on the screen to uh, to fill up times when they're bored or anything. I think that's just really important, uh, right? I think all parents would agree. Um, you know, I think once it's it's tougher when they're older, much older, and they've already gotten used to like being on the screen and on their phone all the time. It's really hard to pull them away uh, later. So you have young children um, to get them started early, not, you know, living life without the screen, I think, or video games, I think would be so much helpful. It's mm-hmm. just so much helpful for that. Mm-hmm. But um, I think I do want to say, I don't know if this would be somehow related for some reason, I think it is, but um, that, you know, uh, I, I don't believe that people don't want to learn. It's just depending on what it is that they want to learn. I mean, mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons they're on the screen is to find out more information about whatever else they want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of times parents have uh, not had an opportunity to know uh, their kids in a deep way, like w- what they're interested in, what they, their likes are, what they're attracted to, you know, what's captivating their hearts. I think, um, I think somehow, you know, it's, it's all on the screen and they've just been, you know, sort of, right, uh, hijacked into that. So I think um, this time that you have at home, I think, you know, yes, you can say, you know, no more screen, but when they're off the screen, I, I think they should, the parents should take opportunity to learn more about their kids. Mm-hmm. What is it about being on the screen that they're so attracted to? Uh, is it, mm-hmm. is it loneliness? Is it, does it feel like they need to be connected to somebody? Um, mm-hmm. If they're looking at, let's say the newest, you know, trends or something, I mean, is that, is that, filling some kind of void in them that they're not getting from you know people right mm-hmm. so i mean i think you can find out what it is and if they connect to something that they really love mm-hmm. um and identify it i think they would just the the desire to learn more about that and, and to follow that would happen naturally mm-hmm. um I think even younger uh, you know the, the youths they don't even know what it is that they're Mm-hmm. what they love or what you know what they're capable of um mm-hmm. what their gifts are what yeah. their passions are you know so they're so they've been so busy just doing schoolwork mm-hmm. and coming home and any re- little time to relax they want to be on the phone to hang out with their mm-hmm. friends and really not having had the time to really even self-discover in that way mm-hmm. um i think finding out what it is that you really truly love and what your gifts are, I think would be tremendous as mm-hmm. far as, you know, education and pursuing uh, something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think once you love that, you wouldn't go to the phone. I don't think you wouldn't go, you wouldn't be on there. You'll be, or if you, you are, it's for the purpose of learning mm-hmm. or, you know, discovering or something like that and not to waste time. Although, you know, mm-hmm. I think something that is unavoidable a little bit, but mm. yeah. You know, what do you think, Sua? Uh, just an idea that came to mind uh, when Sam was asking that question. I thought, oh, that'd be kind of cool if somebody, um, let's say a high school um, student wants to read a book that they're interested in, um, maybe some kind of genre, maybe it's like mystery or detective or something like that. I don't know. And then they, they ask a couple of friends to do a book club and maybe they're not um, into reading as much, but if they, ha- they want to be able to interact with their friends during this time, I don't know. I just thought of that, but um, oh, I think that's a great idea if they yeah, did that. And then when they get on their Instagram mm-hmm. or whatever to discuss mm-hmm. or in a meeting like this, yes. using this, yes. they could, it's a book club where they're discussing about the book, yeah. right? That's a yeah. way to connect with their mm-hmm. friends. Mm-hmm. And, you know, cause this is kind of fun with the screens like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yes. yeah, I think that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. I think one thing, what I, okay, this is just my, observations and thoughts is that uh, I think when it comes to screens, it is very tempting for parents to utilize phones, iPads, um, video games as a, as a babysitter, you know, because we, we want to do certain things, you know what I mean? Without necessarily uh, having to really engage kids about things. And so, it uh, have I frozen? <laughs> well, <laughs> sorry about that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we were saying now you have to edit because. <laughs> right? No, I'm not going to. But no, I you say, should because. I would say that just edit that part out. I think people use. Um, they use, you know, screens as a babysitter. Yeah. And exactly. in many ways, it's, it's, it's actually, whether we want to admit it or not, it's the parents who create and foster a, um, a habit. And so, yeah. you know, I remember when I was young, I wanted to play Atari all the time. I didn't even have it. My, my parents never bought it for us. But I... If we had it and they let me, I would play it all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I understand it. I understand why a kid, of course, they're going to want to do that. Of course, they're going to want to play video games all the time. Yeah. If they're given, it's like a child at a very young age and yeah. they're given something. So it is about parents doing what they can within themselves, actually. I feel like it's. Mm-hmm. It's fighting their own flesh to say, okay, I know it'd be easier for me to just stick this video with this movie in front of my kids so that they can watch it so that I can have my own free time. Mm-hmm. But by doing that, it's really long-term pain, short-term gain. And yeah. I think I, I'm not a person who says, oh, there's no place for video games. There's no place for movies. But I think it has to be truly controlled and mm. a way in which like what we do with our kids and just as a practical um, tip is uh, like my son, 
my two youngest kids, and they're not that young, right? They love video games. And so for a while, they, they would always ask, can I play this and that? And we got tired of them asking, actually. And so eventually, uh, I came up with an idea of creating what I call the credit system, where basically <laughs> we would, I actually printed it out on a piece of paper, and it was these little tickets. And sort of, they would have to earn hmm. a, a credit to be able to play, say, a half hour. And it would be based on not chores, because chores are things that I believe kids should do because they're part of the mm -hmm. family, not necessarily yeah. because they, they've done something special. I don't think allowances right. about that. I, don't think, I just don't right. see that. I think there should be doing, kids should do things because they're a part of the family. Yeah. But extra things, it could be, oh, oh, there's the credits. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's so, cute. <laughs> so they would, um, if they clean the garage, I would say, all right, Jack, I want you to clean the garage. And if you do, you'll get two credits, which would be maybe an hour's oh, worth. And, and if and it would, they would, we would let them play, not during the school year, but only during, say, vacation, uh, during vacations, holidays, maybe their birthday. Mm -hmm. They could cash in those credits or maybe they can have an hour, but it would never be, oh, you just play as much as you want. Yeah. And then we would, we would really throw in to the process of get them to read as much as possible and read yeah. anything. Read Calvin and yeah. Hobbes, you know, read, yeah. uh, read um, books yeah. on all sorts of genres. It could be fantasy. It could be, you know, mystery just get them at a very early age at the mm -hmm. very read with your child when they're a baby read mm -hmm. read bible stories read mm -hmm. uh you know read children's books read we you know we would read um i would read to them uh and Sue and i would read to them like what's beverly cleary right mm -hmm. ralph mm -hmm. s mouse and uh, ramona mm -hmm. the brave and mm -hmm. and and you get them early and then slowly but surely they start wanting to do that on their own that becomes yeah. their desire it, yeah. The love of learning doesn't come from you sticking a, a video in front of them all the time. That just mm -hmm. destroys mm -hmm. the love of learning. Yeah. So even though it's hard, because mm -hmm. sometimes it's so much more convenient to mm -hmm. actually stick that iPad in front and let them watch a video, mm -hmm. make sure if you're going to do that, that it's actually intentional. Like, okay, you have yeah. 30 minutes and that's it for the day, mm -hmm. whatever it might be, but it can't be, okay, here, take this, do this, and do it without limit. What do you both think about what I just said? So I, th I think you were mentioning it as uh, being a reward, right? So for af after they've done school or um, whether it's on the weekends or holidays, if, if it is part of um, your family life at all. And if anybody wants uh, copies of these credits, you know, please feel free to email and we'll just send it to you. Yeah. You don't need them anymore, right? You probably just give it away. Oh, no, we, we still oh, need no. them. Oh, no, we need them. <laughs> oh, really? We yeah. still need oh, them yeah. a lot. <laughs> right. oh. um, well, I mean, well, we, we never, our kids never got into video games. Mm. Um, so I, I'm thankful for that. I try yeah. to. That's great. Yeah. yeah I, I, and, you know, when they had um, times with their friends and they were playing video games, they they just couldn't participate because they didn't know. So I thought, oh, okay, maybe they should kind of learn, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I had, I remember I had bought, um, 
bought them a, like a game system a long time ago and I brought it home and you know um it was actually a Wii. It, it was supposed mm-hmm. to get them to move around and do more in the house. <laughs> they didn't even open it. They didn't even open the box. So, but I think, um, you know, going on with what Pastor Sam is saying, also they need to see, I think they need to see the parents reading too, right? So when mm. they see the parents reading, mm-hmm. it's just like Bible studies. It's like, it's a discipling thing, modeling. You, they see your parents, they see their parents reading the Bible, mm. um, praying. Um, going to church and worshiping, doing community. It's like, you know, they, they model or they follow what their parents do. So mm-hmm. if you, t- if you, I think if you tell your kids to go read and the parents are on the phone, you know, or mm-hmm. on the screen, I think that sends a, that doesn't send a good message. So mm-hmm. I remember years ago when I was uh, at, I think, Wilmoms, one of the Wilmoms meetings, we were saying this, that um, even if you have to sort of intentionally uh, like show that you're reading your Bible, you know, <laughs> like, you know, if you've already done your devotional in the morning and, and later on, you, you know, you don't need to, mm-hmm. but I said, open your Bible and, and read mm-hmm. and let your kids see you read it. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you do it early in the morning and do your time, they may never see you, right? right. So I, you know, yeah, we're thinking, all right, I did my quiet time with the Lord. I don't need to, but I think throughout the day, mm-hmm. even if you've already done it, you open your Bible and sit and let them mm-hmm. watch you read after lunch or whatever, right? Because they kind of need to see their parents mm-hmm. do it, especially if they're younger. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think mm-hmm. you can't just tell them to go read something. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. especially if they're not a natural reader, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, that just reminded me of uh, when Ellen was describing that, um, of Ruth Graham, who uh, was so busy raising her kids that she she didn't feel like she had adequate time to spend time in the Word. And so she had several Bibles open throughout the whole house. Oh. And then, you know, in each room, so... Yeah, she's in the kitchen, and then she'd be reading while she's doing something. And then, so the, I think everybody always saw her Bible open everywhere yeah. because she she needed to feast on it herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good. The big C word. Dark in the house. The big C word. You know what the big C word is in homeschooling? Curriculum. Oh, okay. It is the. It is yeah. the. Uh, the 800 pound gorilla of homeschooling, which is, there's so much out there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. compared to even when we were starting mm-hmm. and now there's a lot online. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I know a lot of the people who are homeschooling now or who are even looking into supplementing what they're doing in this situation has done a ton of research. Mm. Um, and we know, you know, there are people who literally will buy, if they can afford it, will buy every Mm -hmm. curriculum out there and, Mm -hmm. but jump from one. And I remember when I was, when we were homeschooling at the youngest of ages and I would always be like, so let's just stick with one and go all the way through. And we had different Mm -hmm. philosophies even about that. Mm -hmm. So how do you, what do you, what advice do you give to someone as they're contemplating all the different curriculum, supplementary, you know, primary and how do you how do you work that out? What does that look like? 
Mm. So what? Uh, <laughs> well, I would say that uh, my uh, that was actually a weakness of mine because I saw so much that was out there, and any time I became discontent with something, you know, I always felt like the grass was greener, greener on the other side. So then I'd be asking my friends, "What are you using for this? Does this work for you?" and um, and then you're like, oh, well, that, that looks shiny and new. <laughs> so, you know, why don't I try that one out too? Um, so that, in that sense, um, I think that that's always a temptation to feel mm, like yeah. there's, there's got to be something better out there. But I think if we found something that worked for our kids, even if they might have thought it was like really uh, dry and boring or... Um, it just, I, it's so funny because sometimes I'll, I'll mention a book and I get this real visceral, visceral reaction from my kids still to this day. They're like, oh, that, that book was, yeah. But, but I found that if it worked, if they learned grammar through it, through the consistency of doing it, um, then, you know, we could, we would stick with it. However, I didn't feel that we had to do every single number in every single lesson. Mm. If they get the grammar, they get it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't feel like we had yeah. to do that. Every Is that week. Rod and Steph? <laughs> I love Rod and Steph. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, Rod and Steph. Well, I think, you know, curriculum is one of the biggest temptations for homeschoolers right? Mm -hmm. It's like, I love to go into those conventions and looking at all the new, you know, the shiny new yeah. curriculum that's out there. And, you know, I just met with, just before the lockdown, I met a new homeschool family and I went and met with them because they were interested in knowing, you know, how to do this and all that. And, um, and they weren't believers, but they had bought all this Christian homeschooling curriculum. Mm -hmm. uh, it was really interesting, but she just started, she had just started, she was into it two months mm -hmm. and her oldest one is in first grade, mm -hmm. but she had more curriculum. I mean, her bookcases were full. I said, mm -hmm. you know, I ended up telling you, you got to stop buying because first of all, you won't use 80% of this. Mm -hmm. And secondly, you know, at this rate, you know, she's yeah. like, you're spending all your money in first grade you know, mm. save for later. So I think, you know, uh, curriculum is just a huge temptation. But what I did tell her was that, um, you know, great curriculum doesn't necessarily, necessarily translate into great education. Mm. You know, um, it has to be the right curriculum, right? And then it has to be... Um, something that has to be right, not only for the student, but for the parents. But so much of what happens in the textbook that gets to the kid is, you know, more that needs to be done just than just the book, right? So mm -hmm. um, just because you have great curriculum, because, I mean, I think the, you know, the mom was, and I, I was the same way. If you have this great curriculum, they're going to learn everything in here mm -hmm. and it's going to be successful, which is really not the case. Mm -hmm. um, that's been my, my experience and my kids of all the curriculum that we've had and ones that I spent most money on are, are, were 
always in, they all ended up not being the right ones. Mm. And the ones that were the most effective ones mm -hmm. happened to be the cheapest mm -hmm. or something that I got from the library or something somebody gave me, you know, mm -hmm. um, the Bible, you know, mm -hmm. it's like the Bible is amazing for reading. You know, when you have mm -hmm. to do read aloud or you want to let them read for vocabulary, grammar, mm -hmm. um, spelling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Spelling. It's we didn't hardly do spelling because, you know, reading mm -hmm. takes care of when you, when you read with your kids or, and then when they become their own reader, it knocks out a bunch of other subjects. Mm. You don't have to sit there and do, you know, and then you could just do mm -hmm. Bible study and get geography done because mm. you can look up the map where mm -hmm. this was. And then you do history you can put mm -hmm. in there. Um, so with just the Bible and, mm. you know, age appropriate Bibles or, you know, Bibles that could fit your um, personality and your children, you could do all mm -hmm. kinds of subjects. So, Mm -hmm. I remember I was talking to this uh, mom many years ago about before I was even homeschooling, we were all thinking about, oh, how do we get our kids to read um, or do better at, at English? Mm -hmm. And we all said, oh, let's just have our kids read the Bible. And we did. And they, mm -hmm. the result was amazing. You wow. Know? So yeah. I think if you have young children, you sit there and you mm -hmm. read to them, they mm -hmm. can read to you, read back to you, you can do discussion. Mm -hmm. You can do spelling with the Bible. Mm -hmm. You can do geography with the Bible. You know, mm -hmm. you can just do all kinds of things. So I don't think you need shiny, expensive, yeah. whatever's out there mm -hmm. curriculum and thinking that that's going to be better education. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't believe that. I mean, it wasn't true for me. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if that was the case, then all we needed to do was buy curriculum, right? Mm -hmm. Great, great education, yeah. and that's, yeah. So you want to add to that? True. Um, well, I was just thinking that there is a lot out there for, um, in terms of reviews, resources, uh, blogs, where a lot of families who have used curriculum effectively have written about different things. So, yeah. um, so if you do want to do that research it's definitely possible and i think it's important to also find out what kind of a type of learner your student is mm -hmm. that is very helpful too so then you see what fits um, but one thing that we might fall into is also the belief that it's got to be fun for our kids in order for them to find it effective and again i think it's because we all might want to look for that shortcut that just makes it easier to learn but a lot of times it is going to take the hard work right of the foundation setting the foundation so mm -hmm. um and that might not be quote unquote fun but if you do the hard work in the beginning it makes the later years the latter years more fun Right, because if you're learning how to read and you get that down, the hard work of getting that down, then you're freer to read more difficult books, more fun books. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to ask three more questions and then we're done. Okay. okay. So the first one is, um, spouse. What role do they play? So, maybe I'll answer first since yes. I am the spouse, and then I'll have Sue supplement what I say or a com uh, comment on what I say. 
<laughs> which is our story is that I was not in Fainburg homeschooling, actually. When we first started, it was something that Sua felt convicted by. She brought it to me and she said, let's go to this conference together and we can explore. So I went, um, it was a Chia conference, Christian Homeschoolers Educators Association. And mm -hmm. I know Ellen knows that conference and most homeschoolers in California know it. Um, I, I don't think it's Christian, I think it's California, right? Maybe. Well, anyway, um, um, yeah. that's what C is, California, not Christian, I think, right? And I was very turned off from homeschooling because of that conference. <laughs> um, it was strange. People uh, saw a people lot of people. were strange, right? People were strange. <laughs> yeah. there were, I went to a, um, one seminar and all he talked about was how we should all go back to the Mayflower and uh, as homeschoolers. And I was thinking, I wasn't, my, my family was not from the Mayflower. And so, and I looked around, there are a lot of people wearing head coverings and big denim overalls. And I thought, I don't dress like them. So my first impression of homeschooling was that. And mm -hmm. that made me think, okay, I don't want to do this. But, mm -hmm. it's, I, but Sua was very much wanting to do it. And I thought, okay, I'll just, um, we had a lot of disagreements initially about this. And there are numerous times where I thought, I, I don't know why we're doing this, but I'll go along. Mm -hmm. I think it wasn't until uh, maybe maybe actually till the end of the elementary school years, around eighth uh, grade, and we we're approaching yeah. high school, that hmm. I began to, um, I can't remember Sue exactly, maybe you can remember, but there mm -hmm. was a turnaround. Um, the turnaround, do you remember what the turnaround was? I think it was around the middle school age middle time, school. Wow. where um, I think we had more uh, discussions, probably, and it wasn't, as much the, the rote memory learning um, mm -hmm. from their elementary years. And I think- I think I saw fruitfulness. Yes. Okay. I think I saw, mm -hmm. oh wow, we're not, we haven't messed them up that badly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think in the beginning, there's this fear that we're, we're just mm -hmm. gonna mess them up. Like, yeah. I don't know what we're doing. And, and then when, when we're getting to the age where okay, there's this fork in the road. Either they're going to go down and fall off the cliff or they're going to thrive. And I began to see a little bit where there was a, a much more independent desire to learn. And that, that was surprising actually for me. And then I think, okay, I could see that. And then secondly is, um, so I haven't, there are certain parts of homeschooling that have been a part of um, like, just some of the practical things like driving or signing mm -hmm. papers. And maybe initially I would do a little bit of helping on the grading or maybe planning side of things, but didn't do that much. Sue did most of the research administration as well as the teaching. And then by the time I had high school, I decided to, um, I started teaching, working on a class. So I taught one class for all of our kids it's world history. And what I did was I, um, I developed it over a year's worth. And it basically, I try to use the Bible as sort of the spine upon which world history is mm -hmm. played out. Because I think actually that is world history is mm -hmm. it's really biblical history with mm -hmm. world events all sort of mm -hmm. 
you know, jumping on top of the foundation of, of biblical history, you know, and world events. And I think that's happening even now. And so, mm-hmm. um, that, that, that was very, very enjoyable. Actually, I still teach it to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm teaching it to both Elizabeth and Jack and have them write papers and do that. So there, I think when it comes to a husband or a wife, like let's say, and I'm not going to assume one or the other, but whoever is doing the main teaching, the other person can really supplement in the way in which they work best. For example, both Sue and I are not math and science people, but if let's say I was a math person, mm-hmm. that definitely I would probably maybe help out more in that area. I wish we were one of us was a math <laughs> science. We, we just don't have that in our family. <laughs> we're both humanities people. Yes. And, mm-hmm. um, but I do think that there's definitely a way a spouse can at least supplement that with work or, or administration, maybe projects, if they're really skilled with the hands, um, mm-hmm. which I'm not either. But there's maybe, it could be just Bible teaching or it could be, um, you know, scripture memory or, um, you know, social things such as joining clubs, sports. So all those things that come alongside. I know like mm-hmm. for Gabriel, he does that a lot, right? Like he focuses in on the supporting Isaiah and the golf side of things, right? And um, and so I think there's v- various different ways that uh, a spouse can walk mm-hmm. alongside. But Sua, anything to add on that for me and yes. you? Um. One thing that I really learned through the whole process was about being able to submit ultimately. And I mean, I'm still learning that, but um, submitting to my husband's um, leadership in the home when it came to, for example, financial decisions and um, especially with the curriculum buying, you know, like I said, I see something shiny and new and I'd be like, Oh, I think I want to try that one. And and so when I brought it to Sam and we discussed about it and then he'd say, I don't think that we can do that. Or if I want, I I wanted all four of our kids to play a musical instrument, to take piano lessons, all four of them, which is extremely expensive. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, I didn't really think about that part of it. I just thought, oh, well, you know, my brother and I took piano lessons growing up, so I think all four of them should, right? Mm-hmm. I just thought that that would be part of their education, and that that was the way that I saw it um, as the only way. But discussing it with Sam, again, seeing that financially it wasn't feasible, and just releasing that unto the Lord, ultimately, mm-hmm. and to Sam's wisdom that God has mm-hmm. given to him to lead us mm-hmm. um, is something that I really had to learn. and die to myself about um, when it came to the overarching decisions about the vision for our school and and we would talk about it and discuss and pray together about especially about the needs for our kids whether it's academically socially spiritually um, physically all of those things we had to discuss and I, I had to relinquish my feeling like I'm entitled to get this because I'm the one who's doing most of the schooling um, when they were younger. Now it's more about management, managing their classes, driving them around. So I'm just more like a GM 
than anything. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't really do any teaching at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. Um, but still I see that, um, like Sam and I, we have to be partners in this together. Yeah. Otherwise I think there would always be conflict because we have differing viewpoints, um, and differing, uh, probably visions mm-hmm. for our kids. So I mm-hmm. think praying together too, that, that is really, really important. Praying together for our kids, praying mm-hmm. together about how uh, we can raise them in the Lord. Mm-hmm. So. Um, well, you know, for me, um, my husband couldn't uh, really be involved as much as he wanted to because he was you know, out of the house a lot, uh, working. So, you know, I was the main decision making person. Um, mm-hmm. the, the whole idea of homeschooling, uh, it was, you know, my idea. And so I had to like, with everything, I always felt like I needed to present it to him. Right. So, um, if I needed to do something, usually, you know, I, I pray about it and I want to make sure that I'm not um, just jumping into something. So I had to do a lot of pre, uh, decision-making and needed to have, if I'm going to present it to my husband, I, I was presenting it to get a yes. Right. (laughs) So I had to make sure that I eliminate all the things and all the reasons why he would say no. And I'd have to, it it had to be a tight case. Right. (laughs) So, um, so you know, a lot of uh, thinking and, and praying and preparing went in before I told my husband. But mm. by the time I did that, like, you know, it was a pretty tight case. He, he, he didn't see a reason why he couldn't say, he could, why he could say no or why he needed mm. to say no. And if he did, I say, well, because of this and this, and here are the reasons why it needs to happen or it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, um, you know, he said, oh, yeah, okay. You know, that was most of the answer. And um, I did have to look outside, you know, for resources because he wasn't Mm -hmm. able to participate in the teaching. Mm -hmm. So if I needed, you know, math help or science help, that I needed to do outside outside of the home. Mm -hmm. Um, For PE, you know, I did ask for help for PE from him. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he did what he could. If he was busy, then I had to take care of that. It was... um, yeah, there wasn't too much of, you know, like this. I know some families, the husband, the both, you know, parents are very involved and they take, you know, they divide and, you know, divide and conquer. Um, that's great if you could do that. But if mm-hmm. you can't, it's still doable. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's really doable. And so, um, but yeah, we did, if there are issues, we did pray together about it. And um, mm-hmm. I think more than my husband and I praying for the the kids because I had the kids with me. We were actually praying for my husband a lot together. Mm. (laughs) You know, he'd go off to work Mm. and I know the struggles he was facing or whatever he was going through. And I'd share that with my kids and like, okay, Mm. let's spend some time praying for dad because he's really going to need it. We're at home, you know, enjoying this time and Mm. dad's, you know, so, um, you know, but, you know, going back to like, what's wonderful about homeschooling is, you know, you, you mentioned it way in the beginning, so about how your friend, how, you know, the tight, close 
mm-hmm. the closeness of the family and and the, and because of that the they're not facing the the challenges of peer pressure mm-hmm. right uh that they're not they're more inclined to listen to you know what me and my husband as parents think rather than what their friends and their peers think mm-hmm. and because of the the bond that we had built because of the time we spent with each other and just mm-hmm. really getting to know each other deeply, they really do value what I think mm-hmm. and what my husband thinks more than what they hear outside. So mm-hmm. anything that comes up, um, whether it's even a sermon, you know, or if, you know, they always ask me what I thought of it. And then I, you know, I then when we talk about it or, or uh, what I think of, you know, whatever that's happening in their lives, they always want to know if, you know, they're checking to see what, you know, what our views are, and then to see if however their thinking is, is right or wrong, or are they being persuaded by, you know, what they heard on the internet or what their Mm -hmm. friends said. Um, That I don't think I could ever exchange for anything you know even if we didn't let's just say even if we didn't get any education done mm-hmm. um just to be able to have that uh i think and then you know i always thought you know my job as parent educator i am educating them but because i had this opportunity to have them at home mm-hmm. you know my primary job was not only teach them because they had books and other things and if they ever got behind i always thought okay well they can go learn at the community college and, do, you know, they can get the education somewhere else. Right. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking, what is it that God is wanting me to, mm-hmm. you know, teach them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought I'm only going to be responsible for, not for their education. If they didn't get any education, you know, mm-hmm. I thought, well, they can go get it somewhere else. So I'm not going to be responsible for that, mm-hmm. but that I could just hold their hand and just, lead them to Jesus and then mm-hmm. I can drop them off, drop mm-hmm. them off with Jesus once mm-hmm. they have their relationship. Right. So mm-hmm. because of that, that, that relationship with me and my kids were just quite important mm-hmm. you know, to me. Mm-hmm. That was a priority. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I think I, you know, have been um, criticized about sheltering them or, you know, being a, help a parent or you know whatever that is but to me you know education or homeschooling or whatever it was they were doing golf or whatever it was doing Mm -hmm. it was always that I wanted to be there so that if they were to stray this in that way I can always say oh no not that way this way this way to Jesus type of thing Mm -hmm. you know so Mm -hmm. so because of that I didn't have all that fear too much Mm -hmm. of what if they fall back what if they didn't get this, you know, what if they didn't get there um, as far as education, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, just sort of took a back seat to other things. Mm-hmm. So I think that's mm-hmm. one of the biggest thing about homeschooling that I can say was such a gift mm-hmm. is that I was able to, my husband and I have been able to play that role of, you know, mm-hmm. guiding them to Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. and, and helping them spiritually. Um, that's something I feel like that, that they they can't get just anywhere. Yeah. Right. So, um, I think that would alleviate a lot of the, the fear that I think parents may have, uh, you know, especially during homeschooling, um, Mm. that even if they don't get 
hardly anything done. It's okay. Mm. You know, get the other thing done, the most yes. important thing done. Yes. And God will take care of whatever. Yeah. And, and yeah. we're not going to be messing up their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. people's lives aren't messed up that easily, right? Yes. God is in yes. control. Yes. Um, just because you didn't pick the right curriculum. <laughs> not, yeah. You know, if it was left yeah. up to me, I don't have that much power, right? right. Curriculums right. don't have that much power. So. Yeah. I think just to remember that, that God is watching and he, he sees he loves our children more than we do. Mm-hmm. He wants them to be educated more than we yes. do. So yes. I think that trusting that alleviates a lot of issues about, you know, is my husband helping me? And mm-hmm. are we getting this curriculum? Are we doing mm-hmm. this? Um, yeah. I think if we have our priorities straight, God will take mm-hmm. care and help you take yeah. care of all of that, just like yes. you were saying earlier. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he na- he enables us in whatever he's calling us to do. And yeah. what you're sharing, Ellen, reminds me of Matthew six thirty three about seeking him and his righteousness and his kingdom first. And everything else that he thinks that we need will be added to us. Yes. Uh, and so that really does relieve us, alleviate us, so much of that pressure we might put on ourselves. Yeah, to make sure our kids are, you know, up to speed, as yeah. as the the world might have it. But like you said, you're you're leading them to Jesus, and that's what we should be seeking. He'll take care of everything. We just need to be faithful to what He has called us to do. Yeah, He does. Yeah, He's yeah. the promise keeper. Amen. Two more questions. So we'll try to do these two as fast as we can. One is. Um, how do you keep your place organized? <laughs> what? How, what is, uh, what is, um, what is, you know, scheduling, planning, organization look like in the midst of homeschooling? Because that's not something that, uh, you know, most people send their kids off and then they could take care of everything. When you have your kids all around, it mm-hmm. gets chaotic. And when your place is chaotic, sometimes it can wear on you a little bit. So, what is that? How do you work that out? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I've had two resources that I would go to time and time again to help me just with thinking through systems to have in place in the home to make things run a little bit more smoothly. And I would say when they were younger, definitely I did that more um, or thought about that a lot more and try to put that into place, implement it. But One is called um, Managers of Their Homes. And if anybody wants to take a peek at these things, please let me know and I can totally show you. But, and then uh, another one is actually online. It's called um, Simplified Organization by Misty Winkler. And she's really great about um, helping, um, helping you to think through your day and how to organize your schedule, your family schedule, um, systems, things like that. But um, I think it was just really important for me personally because I could go to one extreme or the other where it would be very, very tightly scheduled in our day, what we had to do. And I had to be very, very much a stickler about that or feel like I had failed. And I think that's one extreme and then the other extreme is, oh, just throw it all away <laughs> and be loosey-goosey and try to do things super last minute 
and um, but I, th I think both both extremes really reveal just my my sense of self-reliance and, and pride and so I think having a loose schedule that helps to organize your day and depending on the Lord for to be open to interruptions as he he might bring them to us and we might consider them interruptions but they're not mm -hmm. according to him because he's planned our day in such a way so that we would be open to whatever might come people who might come needs that might come so um yeah i for me whenever i had things tightly scheduled mm -hmm. which when you first schedule it and you look at it I mean, it looks tight and it looks good and you feel good because you feel like, wow, this looks fantastic. Well, it failed every time. There's no, I, have, I don't think I've ever done everything um, or followed a schedule. It just doesn't, I mean, our lives don't look, you know, it doesn't work that way, right? So if you have like 1030, 10 to 10.30, let's say Bible study, 10.30 to 11, you know, something else. It, you know, like you don't switch from one minute to the other, um, mm -hmm. right? You got to stop by, go to the bathroom or something happens. So schedules, it just never worked. But um, I will say like Sue did, like having a, a loose schedule, I only had like few things that were important. I didn't put times down. I would put like, okay, we would do, for example, like Bible study, math, mm -hmm. um, English. Mm -hmm. And as far as those three things got done, sometime during the day, I would be happy right? mm, yeah. Um, yeah. unless unless I had like to go to a school or go to a class or something like that then that needs to be kept but having a I think somewhat very flexible and loose schedule mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I think you know makes you be more successful mm -hmm. and then as far as the home and messiness you know you were saying earlier like you could always have time for cleanup time right that could be incorporated into the schedule but i read um uh when we used to go to uh Jeannie baker's class uh, mm -hmm. she was one of the science teachers at her house it there was a sign that had said that um that a home should be clean enough to be healthy and messy enough to be happy <laughs> so i said oh yes that's it. As long as it's clean enough, we're not, they're not going to catch some serious disease, right? Um, our house was pretty... These days, uh, you could catch a serious disease. Yeah, you can. Yes, even if it's clean, you can still catch the messy disease. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, but I think, you know, it, it's, it's going to look chaotic. It's going to get messy. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to have to clean up or you're going to have to be happy with what you have. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, some people they are okay with mess. Some people like for me, if it gets too messy, I just feel, I just don't feel, you know, right to be able to mm -hmm. teach or do anything. Yeah. Right. You just so distracting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just very distracting and stressful. Mm -hmm. um, having a lot of things and clutter is very stressful. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I think, you know, I don't think it, it it just goes without saying you all the families individually have to do what they can to that you know that fits their family to be able to do if you need to have a cleanup and that's your priority that's what you need that's what you gotta right. do right yeah. Yes. yeah so yeah i think um what you said about a home being happy i think laughing a lot enjoying this time 
that we have with our kids at home and um, seeing it as a gift of grace, um, as George Sleeman had mentioned before, too. Uh, just receiving it and laughing together, I think, would be yeah. such a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, mean, I feel like we can always laugh more together yeah. with our kids. And, yes. and that, that would be something that they would remember. One last question, which is one more takeaway. So one last thing that you would think, if you could just remember this, that's what I want you to remember about this time. What would it be? I'll give you like a moment to think about that. And then whoever has something to start. Um. I think this may be like the, the, the foundational principle thing, right? It's just one thing that mm-hmm. I could just share with everybody about this time, this particular time of homeschooling is here's a golden opportunity for you mm-hmm. to use this time for discipling your children. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's a couple of months of school left and there's work that they need to do, but, uh, I don't think you're going to be, or they're going to be, you know, devastated educationally if you mm-hmm. didn't get a lot of it done. Mm-hmm. But if you miss this time and miss this opportunity to connect with your youth, connect with your children, um, miss the opportunity of discipling, we may not get another chance like this mm-hmm. for a long time. And this, you know, God's timing is everything, I think. Um, maybe he's given us this time because we need this time mm-hmm. to catch them at this particular time, yeah. whether they're second year, second grade or they're, you know, senior, ready to get, go off to college. Mm-hmm. I, I, you you got to use this, t- take this opportunity and use this time, um, whatever that you need to do. And I don't think this is a time where we panic about, oh, what are we going to do with school? And, mm. you know, um, I think you should trust God and see what he can do mm. and see what he does with this time once you invest into their lives by directing them to God, spending this time mm. with disciple, get to know them in a deeper way, yeah. spend time you know talking about deeper things reading the bible together mm-hmm. i i just i would just hate for people to use this time just all worried about school mm-hmm. and miss mm-hmm. what could have huge impact in their children's lives mm-hmm. right so you know take this as a special gift that god gave you might maybe opportunities later but not like this i don't yeah. think so yeah. I think one thing that um, that people could take away is that you use this time very wisely mm-hmm. to see what the Lord wants you to do with this time with your children, with your mm-hmm. family at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. Yes. Yes. I totally uh, agree with Ellen. And um, a passage that... Um, I have just written out and been meditating on for a while, uh, especially with regard to raising our kids 
is uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 to 29. And Paul is speaking there about his heart for the Colossians. And I think that it could apply to our heart for our children, just like Alan was saying. And it says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, which he powerfully works within me. So he gives us the energy and the strength that we need to be able to bring our children to Jesus, just like Ellen was saying. And I think that that would be a foundational principle that I wish um, I had really centered our school on or our home life on from the get-go when the kids were really young. And I'm grateful for the fact that we are able to do that right now, everybody at home. We have that opportunity, golden opportunity, like Ellen said. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you um, both so much. Oh, oh, yes. Well, no, I was going to say, since Suwa had a Bible verse, maybe I thought I would. <laughs> yes, the Bible verse too. Yeah. Well, this was something that I was going to uh, bring up in the beginning, but, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a verse that or these verses the homeschoolers use often um, when they talk about homeschooling which is from Deuteronomy 6, um, where verse 5 uh, says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Um, yeah, similar to what I was saying earlier, but just, you know, being able to spend this time to be able to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. When you rise, when you're eating at home, when you're, Mm -hmm. you know, doing your homeschooling, um, just be able to um, just talk about, and also uh, um, about, you know, all of these things that we talked about and remembering them um, Mm -hmm. just throughout the, throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Thank you both. Thank you so much. Oh, just, not just yet. Oh, yeah. Just practical resources. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Well, if you need a lot more, you could just yes. contact Sua. She has plenty, <laughs> right? Oh, and, and all so the information. No, I, I got rid of all mine. So. <laughs> <laughs> just junior higher level. Yeah. This is, this is wonderful for just one devotion mm-hmm. a day. Yes. Um, oh, that would be very helpful. Yeah. I think. One yeah. short reading with your children to pray through. And so we mentioned the website too. Remember? Um, yes. What was that website? As a resource. Uh, for? About homeschooling or. Um, maybe we could write it in the comments later. I can't remember okay. which one. Okay. 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 Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Thank Ellen. Thank you, both of Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, for Pastor everything. Sam. And for everything for blessing us. And uh, yeah, I really believe it will be fruitful. Thank you. Happy homeschooling. (laughs) (laughs) Bye.